When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. Following Liverpool's 2-0 win over Burnley on Boxing Day and West Ham's assured win over Arsenal and the Emirates on Monday evening, the Reds ensured they'll end 2023 as the league leaders. Klopp will be keen that his side maintain the momentum and start 2024 off in style as they welcome a struggling Newcastle United side to Anfield on Monday evening, with Eddie Howe's side having lost six out of their last seven games. With City now back from their travails in Saudi Arabia and unlikely to be as lacklustre in the league in 2024, it's imperative that the Reds maintain the distance between them and their most likely title rivals this season. Joining me on the pod this week to discuss what's been a challenging campaign for Newcastle United, despite some real high points in Europe and the league, I'm delighted to welcome back Newcastle United correspondent for The Athletic, Chris War. Welcome back, Chris. Good to speak with you. Thank you very much for having me on again. It's, uh, we we're just talking very, very briefly ahead of the pod. It's that time of year uh, where you, you do have to d- double take at the calendar just to remind yourself what day uh, of the week that it is. It's a Friday for all those listening, if you've, if, if, if you've not uh, yet remembered that as well. Um, the football just seems to keep on coming. I think Liverpool played their final game of 2023. I think it's similar for Newcastle, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, of course, the first first game of the new calendar um, comes on yeah the 1st of Jan for for Liverpool and Newcastle uh, as it's on Newcastle arrive at Anfield. But before we get to that game, I wanted to sort of ask you to cast your mind back a little bit, um, not to last season, um, as we sometimes do, but just to ask uh, at the start of the season, um, what your expectations were for this Newcastle side and for the campaign, you know, given the, the success, uh, I'd say ahead of schedule last season, um, the, the qualification for Europe, some of the business that was done. And then maybe I'll ask you after, afterwards, for your, I know it's more than half time, but your 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 Christmas assessment of, of of what the story of the season's been so far. So yeah, just just cast your mind back to the start. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So 
it was a season that I always expected Newcastle to to have. Is regression the correct way? I mean, it's difficult because mm. last season was such an, an overachievement, not in terms of, of of Newcastle not deserving on the performances last year. They certainly did, but given the quality of the squad relative to other clubs. I mean, they were fortunate in one sense that the likes of Liverpool and Chelsea massively underperformed last season and, and that mm. allowed them the opportunity to capitalise as they did Spurs Spurs as well. But they were also an elite side last season. They showed that. But this year, they, I mean, the, the two major signings really in the summer, Sandro Tonali has obviously been suspended for 10 months since, uh, since October for gambling offences. And then Harvey Barnes, has been injured since September. So the two major summer signings haven't played that much and that's really affected them. And if you'd asked me this question three weeks ago, I'd have given Newcastle probably a score of between eight, eight and a half out of 10, because at that point, there's still a chance of going through the Champions League. They were still in the Carabao Cup. Their home form was almost exemplary, Liverpool aside. And I'd have said that the fact that we're competing on all those fronts and still within touching distance of the top four, then that would have been a very, very good season so far. And really at the start of it, if you'd said to me, Newcastle would get top six, go far and won the Cups and maybe progress out the Champions League group, I'd have said that's a very good season. Since then, the last few weeks have been very, very difficult. It feels like a lot longer just because of the volume of fixtures there have been. And Newcastle have had so yeah. many. And, and for unlike a club like Liverpool, Newcastle aren't used to having European football as well. And so it has been a very, very testing few weeks. And I think there's almost been a sort of uh, a plateauing maybe that was always to be expected with Newcastle and, and injuries and fixtures and the quality of opposition that they face in every single competition has really just caught up with them a little bit. And they feel like at the minute they are just trying to claw back some form of, of, of well, to, to claw back some form somewhere because they've got no momentum at all in a positive sense right now. And yes, it's been a season of um, of unknowns really for Newcastle. It was a step into the unknown and there's been some huge highs in there, but the, at the moment it feels pretty low considering the position they were in previously and, and how they actually end the 2023, which brought their first cup final since 1999 and also the first time back in the Champions League since 2003. Yeah, you mentioned the highs in there, and I mean, when you look at just you know purely the fiction and the results on paper, you can you can see those clear high points. Obviously, around some of the big score lines, some of the big results, uh, even the return to Europe, the four-one uh, win at home over PSG, I'm sure will live long in the memory. Um, even the even though it's the cup, of course, a three-nil humbling of Man United is never anything to turn your nose up at as well. Uh, I wanted to ask you, just I mean, were were those some of the obvious high points when you when you think back to some of the um, the high points earlier on this season, like when when things were ticking, when players were available, um, sort of pre injuries that we'll come on to talk about. What what were some of those landmark moments you think for for Newcastle? Well, I mean, Newcastle started the season with a five one victory over Aston Villa, which, given yeah. Villa's form since, looks like a, a very very good result. I mean that. Slightly flattered Newcastle in a sense. It was the last half an hour that they sort of pulled away. They deserved the win, but um, that felt like a huge moment to start the season in, in such good form. They're then then mm. 8-0 victory away at uh, Sheffield United. To as, as bad as Sheffield United were for a side to score eight goals was very impressive. The PSG match, yes, that's an absolutely historic result, which will be there for Newcastle. Unfortunately, it goes down similar to, the, to Newcastle's 3-2 victory over Barcelona in 1997 that it was in uh, basically futile in the end because they did not progress from the Champions League group stage but still to have mm. dismantled that PSG side in the way that they did that was thoroughly deserved and, and they were the better side from the, from the very first to the last minute that was that was very impressive 
Um, they've also had a, they went to PSG and came very very close to a famous win there. A controversial late penalty, um, setbacks against the wall defending second half. That was another moment which I think will stick in, in a lot of people's memories. But then at home they've beaten Manchester United at home as well in the league. Beat them one nil. Probably the the best all round performance other than PSG this season in in any competition. But going to Old Trafford for Newcastle, this is it's similar to their record at Anfield, if not even worse. Which obviously their record at Anfield is terrible. They hadn't they'd won once at Old Trafford since nineteen seventy three, um, and to go there with a side where Howe put out essentially a half half filled with with fullbacks or players who played most of their careers at fullbacks. It was very much a much changed side. And yet they went there and won 3-0 in the Carabao Cup. So they're the real high points, I think, of the season so far. Also beating Chelsea 4-1. So there have been some there've been mm. some big performances, some impressive performances in there. Beating Man City at home in the in the Carabao Cup as well, 1-0. Second half performance was very good then. So that they've shown that they can, when they have players available, when they've had rest time, when they've had time on the training ground, can be the elite side we saw last season. But there's been too many uh off nights certainly in, in recent weeks as well, which is which is why they've they've dropped down to ninth in the table as we go into the weekend. Yeah, you mentioned that 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 cup result against Manchester United as well. It's followed up by a one 0 win over Arsenal in the league as well. I mean, Chelsea again. I think look in well in the midst of their sort of trials and tribulations uh, phase of of uh, of their era, but a four one win uh, over them is again like uh, very impressive and all that. I think just highlights what you're mentioning there. That sort of when when everybody is available, uh, when it has a bit more time in the training ground, and it hasn't just been a case of just getting players ready, patched up and ready again to play uh, every two or three days. Um, the, the Newcastle are able to or have been able to reach those those standards. Uh, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned right at the start that you were expecting maybe not a regression, but just the fact that there'd be more challenges. I think you said you said stepping into the unknown a little bit in terms of sort of the. Uh, the increased number of fixtures, European football. I want to ask you just sort of how how you think Eddie Howes managed that because, of course, I think it's you know, would have been a, a new challenge for him and uh, and the coaching staff as well to sort of t- to you know, ha- having done so well last season. That clearly, all the preparation, all the work um, paid off massively. Uh, sort of the buy in they got from the team, the results they were able to achieve, um, but tackling a fixture list that looks to you. Know, so much bigger this season and European football and sort of the, uh, I suppose the um, the challenges that come with that. How, how do you think Eddie Howe and, uh, and the team have managed that? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I think it's been something that for for parts they've managed very well, but I mean, we are speaking at a time when for the first time really since since Howe was in charge... I mean, this is the worst period since his first two months in charge in Castle, if you include going out in in late circumstances 
on penalties in the Carabao Cup to Chelsea. Newcastle have lost six right. of the last seven games. And that's quite a, I mean, that, that compared to, to the runs they've been on previously, that that's staggeringly poor. But so so it feels like it's come to a bit of a head at this moment in time. There's been other moments similar just before the November international break. They went to Bournemouth, got really turned over, lost 2-0. And their waveform hasn't been good. And I don't think Howe has managed that particularly well. Newcastle have been found out a little bit, whereas their waveform last season was excellent. They had the third best waveform in the Premier League this year, they're in the bottom four for, for a waveform. They've only won once, which was that impressive 8-0 win over Sheffield United, but that sort of masks uh, a, a lot of ills that Newcastle have really had away. So so I don't think he's he's found a way to to replicate the intense football he had last season when it was only most of season one game a week. He was able to play a similar side. He had a settled back five with the goalkeeper in, in the back four. They were keeping clean sheets that went away, were difficult to beat, but also could use that intensity where they smothered sides. And this year, they can't do that enough as as regularly. And I don't think they've found a successful mm-hmm. other way of playing away from home. Their home form is almost, until the Nottingham Forest defeat on Boxing Day, had almost covered over a lot of that because they, they've won, they'd won every single match except the, the Liverpool game before that Forest match. And yeah. that was why they were sort of still in touch with the, the top four. But I think that the way that Howe has managed it, given the volume of injuries he's had, Newcastle played the same outfield 10 players in six successive matches in the space of 18 days just after the November international break and, and managed to get positive results in just about all of them to have managed to, to extract that, to have extracted results and performances like he did at Old Trafford with the resources he's had at his disposal has been very impressive to bring through Lewis Miley, a 17-year-old, into a side uh, who is playing in, in these huge matches in the way that he has done. Also, that's been very impressive. But I think that now we've got to a point where supporters are beginning to question how he is uh, the actual use of those resources, which I think is slightly unfair, because as I've said, that I mean they've missed out on Sa- they've lost Sandro Tonali, who was the big sign, and they've lost uh, Harvey Barnes. He hasn't had a lot of players available to play, but he also hasn't rotated necessarily in the way that some supporters think he should have done. He hasn't used squad players like Paul Dummett or Matt Ritchie. We can argue, well, maybe they aren't the quality isn't there, but mm. then you can look back to the summer window and Newcastle signed. Tino Livermento, who has made an impact belatedly, and Lewis Hall, who's barely played, uh, and just wondered, did Newcastle use their limited FFP resources efficiently enough to have improved the squad? That's not necessarily just down to Eddie Howe. That's also down to uh, people at the club and decisions that were made. And were Newcastle actually equipped enough to deal with the challenges they faced in the, in the increased volume of games? I'd say that some of the injuries have been freak, and that hasn't really helped. But latterly, there's been more and more players getting fatigued and he's had to use players. I felt he's had to use players and that's that's maybe resulted in re-injuries or players suffering soft tissue problems when previously they hadn't. So I think it's been up and down, but really given that it's not just a volume of fixtures Newcastle have had, their draws in every single competition have been yeah. astounding really. I mean, in the Champions League, they get this so-called group of death. They get AC Milan. They go when Newcastle went into the fourth season, Fenners, but they get AC Milan, they get Paris Saint Germain, they get Borussia Dortmund. So, mm. no, you compare it to the group that Manchester United finished bottom of, and Newcastle's was considerably harder. Yeah. Um, you then you look in, in the Carabao Cup, they get the, the tre- treble winners in Manchester City in the first round or the third round, and then they get Manchester United uh, away in the next round. They then get Chelsea away. Um, uh, at a ground which again historically Newcastle haven't done very well at and then in the FA Cup 
to come in in, t- in a week's time, the really match which is unthinkable for Eddie Howe to lose particular <laughs> position right now is the first uh, weird time derby since 2016, Newcastle draw Sunderland away in the FA Cup, a championship side. And so the pressure is very much on Newcastle to win that. But given everything else that's going on, given the difficulties of the fixtures I've got in January, so there are significant mitigating circumstances. But I also think mm-hmm. given this was Eddie Howe's first venture into the Champions League as well as for, for a lot of the players, he will have learned a lot of lessons from that and hopefully going forward uh, if he and Newcastle can return to that level then he, they will be all the better for it yeah you mentioned that learning curve I think it, it you do see it for most managers when it's sort of the, the first time that they actually tend to sort of manage a side that's entering into European competition whether it be Conference, Europa, Champions League um, and again I think to to your point there about the nature of the fixtures that's often the difficulty I think with the Champions League and uh, speaking to some Arsenal uh, fans a few months ago, I was like, you, you know, you're quite lucky to get the group that you got because I think that, that sometimes there's a pressure that you have to win every single one of those games, especially if it's one of those glory games or like a a a, uh, you know, a fixture that puts you up against uh, you know Real Madrid or Barcelona or um, a fixture that feels more romantic that you, you you can't rotate too much. You have to prioritize that. Uh, that's certainly been the case for Newcastle, not only in Champions League but in some of the cup competitions, like you mentioned. They're not really had. An easy one they could they could really rotate for. Uh, even on the rotation subject, it's been interesting of late. We've been doing some work. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Here at Anfield Index, just have a look at um, what Liverpool have been doing, really. Again, sort of different sized squad, I think, this year, certainly. Um, But I think think we, based on the numbers we were looking at yesterday, I think they've had fewer injuries than they've had over the last four seasons, but they've rotated more than ever. Um, which probably is just goes to down to the fact that they've got players who are getting injured less, but they're able to so they're actually able to sort of you know, alternate between them. But I think it's it's a lesson. I, we've certainly seen Klopp learn the hard way. Certainly seen others learn the hard way, um, especially this time of the season where you're just trying to um, no tactical works really being done. It's just the case of um, also no, no real training works being done. Right, just recovery. And getting the players um, ready to play again um, every two or three days. Uh, you mentioned um, the the approach that Newcastle took last season to away games. You had, like again, real intense performances. I remember uh, the very lucky wins. I think um, uh, that Liverpool managed to eke out last season. I think it was, uh, was it Fabio Cavalia with that last minute. Um, Sort of winner, um, it, it, otherwise a real, real difficult game against Newcastle at Anfield. Uh, that intensity uh, has it been the case that you think um, 
Eddie Howe's tried to replicate that that tactical approach, but it's just that the, because the players, I don't know, have less have less capacity to actually sort of like ratchet up the intensity like they did last season, that it's being it's easier for the opposition to play through that kind of approach. So are they still trying the same approach, but it's just not as effective? Uh, or has there been any tweaks where he's he's, he's sort of realised that? can't quite like, ratchet up the intensity the way we did last season so we have to we have to play a different way there's definitely been tweaks that is still ideally the way Newcastle would play but there've been tweaks and a realization they can't play that way i mean yeah. part of the part of the issue i think is that for someone like Newcastle unlike maybe Liverpool or some of the other elite sides is that really Newcastle's strength has has come from the fact that they can outrun sides, they have been able yeah. to press them high, they have been able to harry them, they've been fitter than opposition sides and they've been very clear in what they're trying to do. And stepping back from that slightly and trying to play in a slightly different way, a lot of the players Eddie Howe still has are players who were there fighting relegation before he took charge and he's eked out so much from them. But really, in terms of actual quality, there's still... a. a well, a downgrade compared to or a downstep compared to some of the other clubs, and I think that if that Newcastle have found that, particularly when you have those moments to try and slow down, to try and uh, ease the pressure a little bit away from home by keeping the ball, Newcastle aren't good enough at that yet. They're not. They're not brilliant on the ball. They're not brilliant at managing matches. I saw that at Liv- against Liverpool at St James's Park earlier this season against ten men. Newcastle could, were the better side for for an hour and couldn't and should have seen that game out, and yet they lost control of that game. They they aren't yet experienced enough or have the, the quality of player to really decide those matches in the way that they would like them to. And I think that that's been the case away from home. I also think that fatigue has played a huge role in terms of Newcastle haven't come from behind to win a game this season. They've only got a point from falling behind this season. And even then, wow. they actually took the lead at West Ham and 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 dropped two points in the end, if you want to look at it that way. So they, the first time they fell behind at home this season was against Liverpool in injury time. Uh, they hadn't fallen behind until they, they did so against Forrest on Boxing Day. And obviously, they didn't come back in that one either. So I think mental and physical fatigue has played a huge part in that too. And that's that because they are falling behind away from home, the game is it almost feels like it's gone at that stage. They they don't come back from from those defeats. So how hasn't also had the time on the training ground? Like he's someone who's desperately likes the time on the training ground. And and I remember a couple of years ago hearing Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp talk about how players barely train at that sort mm-hmm. of level. And you, and you, and you, and it seems like a stupid thing to hear you hear and you think, well, what does that actually mean? But Newcastle have had that this year. That they've got they've had a game every three or four days, and therefore you don't have proper or certainly full pace training sessions you you are it's walk through it's 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 recovery sessions exactly and for someone like Eddie Howe who wants to tweak all these specific little things and who eked so much out of his team last year part of the reason behind that was most of the time they had a full week to train and so how could work on these very specific points and manage to to get Newcastle the very maximum out of these players who may be overperforming but if you, you're not on the training ground every week that slips a little bit and I think that Newcastle have got that stage now where Although they obviously wanted to be in the semi-final of the Carabao Cup and although they want to progress in the Champions League, they now, for the remainder of the season, basically have one game a week, most weeks. And hopefully that allows Eddie Howe to get working with the players, get more players back fit, but also to to work on those minor details, which last season Newcastle were on the right side of. This year, they haven't quite been working in the same way. There hasn't been the cohesion in the defence. There hasn't been the settled side. If Newcastle can get that between now and the end of the season, I do think that things will pick up quite quickly. 
Yeah, I think it's to look at the fixture list as well. I think Klopp and plenty of the managers have been uh, keen to emphasise it. But it like, well, this is a f- five days between the last game and uh, and the next one for for Liverpool and Newcastle. I um, mean, it's uh, yeah, it feels luxury <laughs> in that yeah. you've actually got a little bit of time. As you, as you mentioned, yeah, I, I remember when I first heard managers talk about how uh, well, this player hasn't really had time to to train, so the training will be match day, and you go, oh. Okay, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it's the necessarily the most sensible option, but it's the I think for, for many it's the only one that they've got, right? So I think it's um, it's yeah, it's 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 a familiar it's a familiar pain point I think certainly around this point in the season. Uh, you mentioned you know, Howe's under scrutiny here for the first time probably or since those the early months of his uh, his his time at Newcastle with that with that record of six losses in the last seven games, and and we are coming up. To, to January in a couple of days and the, um, the January transfer window. You mentioned there the club having to be careful around FFP considerations uh, around which, which players they brought in and you know did they or didn't they use um, the money um, as, as wisely as they could have done. Is there a sense that, that some of this can be remedied in the in in the window in terms of just getting some more bodies in um, in the next window or is there is, is there not expected to be too much business? Well, I think Eddie Howe would like there to be business, but Newcastle have severe restrictions, and that's right. partly because they got very, very close to the FFP limit during the summer. They signed Lewis Hall on a loan deal with an obligation to buy next summer for £28 million, so they've already committed some money there, and they only could only do that because it had to be an obligation and it had to be delayed till next summer. That deal is looking increasingly um, concerning for Newcastle, or certainly for Newcastle fans who look at it and think that, that Hall just isn't ready yet, and, and that money that's been committed could be better spent elsewhere. Obviously, Newcastle going out in the group stage of the Champions League, they also miss out on a conservative 12 to 15 million, if not more. And that would have obviously helped with FFP, yeah. allowed them potentially to spend more in January. And they haven't even dropped it at the Europa League, so they haven't got those extra match days, which would bring in revenue too. So they, they do have, or the, the word coming out is that they do have FFP restrictions. The caveat to that is that that's been the case in previous windows and Newcastle have tended to find a way. Like last January, they managed to front load future spending and bring in Anthony Gordon maybe six months ahead of when they initially intended to. But you can't keep doing that given what happened with Everton and the 10-point deduction. Mm. Newcastle and other clubs are very wary of that and they and they recognise that, that the Premier League are going to come down hard on this and they, and, they, and they don't want to be seen to be breaking those rules. And so as frustrating as that is, that they're... they're their revenues are still minuscule compared to certainly well Man City and Man United, but 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 even compared to Liverpool, they don't have the the commercial scope of those clubs yet. They're trying to to rapidly improve where they can, but they haven't got years and years of European revenue as well to build upon. They don't have get the match day revenue that that, that Liverpool are now getting from the expanded Anfield and and the like, and they don't have the corporate hospitality facilities to be able to to maximise that too. So yes. They do have significant restrictions in January. They're going to be looking for loan signings primarily. They would like someone like Calvin Phillips from Manchester City, but other clubs would also like him. And it's not an ideal window to work in as it is, as, as everyone knows, it's that cliche. But it, particularly if you're going to look for loans, if, if you if you think about the quality of player Newcastle would want, they may want another goalkeeper, for example, with Nick Pope being, being out injured long term. But if they want Aaron Ramsdale from Arsenal, who Eddie Howe signed previously for Bournemouth, why would Arsenal do that deal? Why why would they do Newcastle a favour in, in, in this sort of mm. stage? And and they can only do one domestic loan, so they can only use the loan market in a little way there because they've already got Lewis Hall. You bring in players from abroad, 
Are they going to be immediately hit the ground running? Are they going to take a little bit of time? Someone like Calvin Phillips, even how fit actually is he? He hasn't played that much football, so how much fit is he? Tony Castle have a very, very difficult window. You do feel that they need some freshening up and some strengthening in certain areas. have seen the limitations to a certain degree of this squad, albeit when they've been injury ravaged. Some of those players will come back and that will and hopefully in time be able to improve the, the Newcastle squad organically without even bringing anyone in. But it just feels like Newcastle have a few limitations within their squad, potentially in midfield. Do they need a deep-lying midfielder? Do they need an, another forward, someone to just take the burden off the scoring, uh, of scoring away from Callum Wilson and Alexander Isak, both of whom have had their injury problems? Uh, Miguel Almron and uh, Anthony Gordon have, have almost been flogged to a certain extent. They've had to play every week, and that's really meant that they've really started to, to, to look fatigued in the last few weeks. There haven't been alternatives due to injuries. So January... In theory, could provide a bit of salvation for Newcastle, but it's going to be very, very difficult for them to do that. And it, it, it actually is going to be, a, yeah, I think it's going to be a very hard month for Newcastle, particularly given the fixtures Newcastle have as well, because the, it, the the expectation is Newcastle will go to Liverpool and lose. That's not just maybe negative. The a Liverpool's home form, as you will all know, is 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 excellent, and also Newcastle's. Away not form. only are Liverpool, yeah, Newcastle's away form's terrible. Their form, their, their record at Anfield's terrible, but also Liverpool are a bit of a bogey side for them. You, you mentioned the game at Anfield last season. Newcastle could and probably should have won that. They should, could and probably should yeah, have I won at so. St James's Park earlier this year. Um, this season, sorry, earlier this year, Nick Pope gets sent off early on, and actually for large parts of that game, although Newcastle conceded <laughs> two early goals, I thought Newcastle were probably the better side. It was still so, better, yeah. Sure. Yeah, so so it it it, it feels so Newcastle have that. They then go to Sunderland, as I said, for this massive FA Cup game. They then have Manchester City at home, and they also have Aston Villa away, and that that that. January just looks fraught with issues, both on the field and off the field, given Newcastle need to do business. So it, it feels like mm. things may even get worse before they get better. Yeah, no, it's just, just looking at that fixture list, as you say, that again, that trend of just no no easy games. Even the Sunderland fixture is, is, is fraught with obviously sort of risk there as well uh, and sort of the desire to win that game, make sure there's no no slip-ups in that one. You you talked about a number of different positions there that could be, you know, in an ideal world addressed, you know, the forwards having some injury uh, history. Uh, and you know. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. 
largely been flogged. Could there be some strengthening in that area? I think it was probably a little bit of a reminder on that in terms of the rotation options with Chris Wood and him doing what he did against uh, Newcastle for Nottingham um, in the last game. And Nick Pope, as you say, also a huge figure last season, had been out for so long. Uh, as well, if if you did have to pick, I, I suppose like one area where okay, we, which we've got to prioritise getting a, a signing in for this this area, but probably had the maximum impact on on the side um, in terms of sort of boosting their prospects. I mean, I mean, what what area do you think that would be? You you, you highlighted midfield a little bit there as well. Well, I'd say midfield slightly secondary to I think I think a forward whether it's a, a striker, versatile yeah. forward or someone else yeah, yeah. I mean ideally an out and out striker but I just don't think they're going to have hard. the money or capacity to do that so if they can get a, a forward who can provide a little bit of rotation allow Newcastle to change things up a little bit that would be my ultimate priority I mean the loss of Sandro Tonali has been huge and Newcastle mm-hmm. being a midfielder down but Lewis Miley's emergence means that that's not quite as important. Joe Linton's back fit now. Hopefully Joe Willock isn't going to be too far away. And then Newcastle may have a few more options. They've had injuries in midfield all season, which has been exacerbated by Sandra Tonali's suspension. But so so ideally you would get both. But if you if you t- said to me that Newcastle end January with just signing one player in one position, what would it be? It would be a, a forward in some capacity. Sure. And I think in terms of, I mean, again, it's been a few more days, or Newcastle and Liverpool both been afforded a few more days ahead of this next game. Uh, and uh, as you say, I think the fact that it will get closer to one game uh, a week moving forward, hopefully will be of benefit to to the coaches, getting that increased time on the pitch, getting players back. Um, you you referenced there that in, in some senses, this, this game against Liverpool has been it's been written off in some quarters, given the the form, given sort of the fact it's always sort of a bogey fixture. It can be. I remember watching the Newcastle, uh, or the game up at St James's Park, anyway. And yeah, Darwin uh, doing what he did in that small sort of uh, um, cameo performance, and then having seen what he's done since since then, I think it just shows that, again how much of a flash in the pan that was. Right, and he he's he's capable of doing that in a game. Um, it's just not capable of doing it consistently at the moment. Um, but I thought again Newcastle played. Played very well that game again. Were unlucky, and I think their home form speaks to that. Up until the up until recently, anyway, because Nottingham Forest uh, loss. How do you expect um, how to approach this game then? Um, again, thinking back to last season's game at Anfield, I think it would be difficult to approach it in the same way, given what you've talked about around the the absences through injury, uh, sort of the lack of energy maybe in the side. Um, yeah. How do you expect them to approach it? Um, again, sort of appreciating the run that Newcastle have been on and and Liverpool's home form. I think that Newcastle will go and at Chelsea in the in the Carabao Cup, how set up slightly differently to how he has done previously. And Newcastle mm. were a bit more counter attacking. I think that they may try and do something similar. Last season at Anfield was Alexander Isak's debut, and obviously he scored and and very and had a second goal ruled out for a very marginal mm. offside, and, and really looked very good in that game. And I do think his pace, the pace of Anthony Gordon and, and Miguel Almiron, if they can have recovered a little bit of 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 their sort of fitness by by that stage, I do think that makes more sense than Newcastle going in and trying to be all action from the very start. I, I, I it isn't the Eddie Howe way to go and sit back and not have any sort of attacking threat. He reiterated that in his press conference this morning. So I wouldn't expect Newcastle to come and sit with a back five and completely sit behind the ball. But I do think that they will try and, and target maybe in behind 
whoever whoever's playing as the fullbacks for Liverpool try and exploit the sort of high line they have get Alexander Isak in behind Newcastle haven't done that enough really and I think that there is there is a way that Newcastle could, can can be better in that sense if they can get Joe Linton back into the starting lineup he came on at the weekend he, 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 if he's fully fit he brings a bit of physicality to them which they've missed as well and so I think that that you will see a sort of a slightly tweaked approach to Newcastle's full high intensity really go at teams but I think it'll almost be a hybrid sort of counter-attacking side who want to to impose themselves on Liverpool but in, but also realize that they need to to conserve a little bit more energy they need to be a bit more uh, a bit smarter maybe in terms of in their in-game management and try and pick Liverpool off where they can, choose their moments to really go at them, but have large, accept that there's going to be large spells where Liverpool are going to have a lot of the ball. Mm, yeah, of course, Liverpool uh, also sort of uh, have a number of players out at the moment. I think like I long for the the day, which I may, may or may not see Thiago play football again this season would be nice given sort of how he plays. Uh, Simicat, of course, fractured collarbone against uh, against Arsenal, so he'll be out for a while. So that left back issue with Robertson also out as well becomes becomes a focus. I think I mean, the, Joe Gomez has been um, sort of like doing a job there, actually doing it very well. But I think that given his injury history, there's an appreciation he can't play all of the minutes that we'll need. So that's an area against Newcastle that we, we may see somebody quite young from from the academy step up to, try, to have to play in that role, which again could be an area to be targeted. And from the press conference today, it did seem as though uh, this game might come a little bit too soon for Alexis McAllister. Um, but I think they're still still testing that to see sort of where he'll be. Uh, Matip as well is obviously also... Um, out uh, for well, I'd say for the rest of his Liverpool career, unfortunately. So I think yeah, there's going to be there's going to be some chopping and changing. And I think that uh, you know one thing that's definitely concerned me is when we've been looking at some of the uh, the history of uh, I don't know the, the minutes that some of these Liverpool players have ever have ever played in their careers up until this season. Uh, quite a few of them are into the eighty percent mark uh, of what they what they've ever done before already. So partially quite worried about a few of these guys breaking down in a similar way as, as you're talking about with Newcastle um, over the next couple of weeks. So there's going to be, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of rotation. Um, again, Kwanzaa, uh, who's from the academy, has been playing um, in defence alongside uh, Van Dijk as well. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I expect it to be a, a, perhaps quite a, quite a bit of a change Liverpool lineup as well. And just one last question before we go, Chris. I mean, I'm always interested to get uh, like the people's perspectives on like what they may have seen of Liverpool, what their perspective is of, of how Liverpool are running this season. Just so it's a you know an outside perspective that might challenge some of the assumptions we have. You know, like when we're you know, microanalyzing everything, every single game. But um, what have you made of Liverpool this season? Um, if you have seen much of them uh, throughout the campaign so far, I think uh, for for a lot of Liverpool fans, sitting on top of the table at this point wasn't necessarily what. We expected to kind of start the season, um, although maybe desired Liverpool to be back in contention. But yeah, what have you made of um, of Liverpool? If there's been anything in particular that's uh, that stood out to you, I've been very impressed with them. I think that 
I did expect Liverpool to be far better than they were last year, but I, I, I wouldn't have said that at the halfway point that Liverpool would have would have been top of the table given all right. the, the sort of changes that there were. And obviously, I think some weren't even necessarily foreseen before the summer and the Saudi mm-hmm. Pro League sort of changed maybe some of the, the, the initial plans. But you look at a player like Shabazzalai, who Newcastle really, really liked, and Newcastle looked at him for a long period of yeah. time and, and the way that he's adapted, how he's come into the Premier League and, and, and I think exceeded expectations in the sense that people didn't necessarily know if he'd have the... He's obviously lovely player on the ball and can do wonderful things but would he have the intensity would he have the ability to 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 find matches and I think that you've seen that early on and, and the way that Klopp has managed to to bring in new players but also get the maximum out of, of Mo Salah who just keeps impressing every single season every single week of every single season so consistent and to change and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold's role slightly get him more influential in the matches get Virgil van Dijk back to the sort of levels that there were previously I think that Liverpool have got a little bit of everything whether they can go the full distance is is the big what if I suppose they've got some players who've done it before but also the the, the sort of have they got too many players who've not been in, in that position previously will Man City come really good and, and surge after the start of 2024. We'll have to wait and see. But no, I've been very impressed for, for them to be in that position. And I don't see them falling away massively. Whether they can sustain this form all the way through, I'm not sure. But I, I certainly think top four is a bare minimum. And it, I think they will actually push whoever wins the title close. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think I think that question you put posed there as, as to sort of how the players who haven't been through this before react. Um, and just, yeah, availability as well with some of the injury risk is probably going to be key but yeah i think I'm, I'm i'm placing a lot of hope in those in those folks who have been through it before um i think that's um yeah one one big strength is that, that there are those totems who are still still on the side so yeah hopefully they can hopefully they can keep on uh yeah uh, helping the others along but uh chris really appreciate you coming on and giving us your perspective on um you know like certainly of late what's been a turbulent sort of patch for newcastle um and a season where they're faced with lots of different challenges uh, to be honest though th- these are the challenges that you want to be faced with rather than so- sort of what we've discussed in previous seasons right so i think there's yeah definitely a hope there that there's going to be um yeah improved fortune in 2024 but yeah really appreciate you coming on um and yeah sharing your perspective as always no worries anytime uh, and just to wrap things up here, uh, for all those who've been listening uh, to these uh, these Rivalry Con pods uh, throughout December, you would have heard my voice a lot. Uh, apologies for that. Uh, there'll be a break now a little bit between uh, this fixture which we're discussing and the next one, which will be uh, Liverpool uh, against Fulham on January the 10th. Oh, I know. Sorry, it's the EFL Cup. I'm getting confused. Uh, it will be right at the end of January, 21st of, uh, of Jan, Bournemouth away. Uh, so we'll, we'll have a pod ahead of that. But there are, of course, two cup games in between that, uh, Arsenal and uh, and Fulham FA Cup, EFL Cup. So, yeah, do stay tuned for for, for pods on those from, from Anthony and Next Pro. But, but yeah, to, between now and then, yeah, you'll hear from us uh, ahead of the Bournemouth game. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. 
It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.